0: Hey, Blunders. Thanks for tuning into this week's episode. We're going to be talking about more movies getting delayed. Jonathan Majors being cast in Ant-Man 3, Madonna directing her own biopic, and then we react to the Mandalorian trailer. So thanks for tuning in. Enjoy this week's show. Hello, blunders, and welcome! Welcome to episode number one hundred and thirty-five of Real Blend, a podcast that is written by, directed by, produced by, and starring Madonna. My name is Sean <laughs> O'Connell, the managing director here at Cinema Blend, and I am joined, as always, uh, by. Oh, let me, I'm sorry. Hold on. Hold on. Getting ahead of myself. One hundred thirty-five episodes into this, you'd think I would know what I'm doing. But Gabe shifts it up every single week. On this week's show, we have uh, superheroes delayed yet again. Nothing is going to be opening in 2020. Wah, wah. We're going to review uh, The Devil All the Time, which um, is going to surprise you guys. One of us liked it and one of us hated it. And we're going to react to the new Mandalorian trailer. And by we, I mean Jake Hamilton of Fox 32 in Chicago sporting his Pulp Fiction tea. Hi, Jakey. How are you?
3: I'm, I'm just going to start breaking out a new t-shirt well, every week. Just I to, do
0: like that you're doing that, yeah, yeah, because it's giving people reason to go to the YouTube channel, which I'm going to plug sure. in a second after I introduce Kevin McCarthy of Fox 5 in Washington, D.C. Hi, Kevin, how are you? I
2: do, I do like the shirt. Wait, what, what, Jake, what was the other one that was super bold? Metallica. Metallica. Oh, yeah. I literally got it from the same shelf at Target, $12. Target has phenomenal T-shirts. They have by the a great way, great
3: collection of T-shirts. I got, I got They're
2: a blockbuster good. shirt there, a Taco Bell shirt there. They're not sponsoring our podcast, but Jake, Jake's on Yet. to something with Target. They do have, they do have legit. They good had
0: stuff. when when I'm when I was shopping for Christmas gifts uh, for the boys, and not that I was just shopping at Target, but I happened to be out looking for things that I thought that, that I thought the boys would like. Uh, I saw, and by this, I mean, you guys, uh, the boys, uh, they had a, a t-shirt and it was a blue, it was the perfect blue and yellow combo. And it said, make it a blockbuster evening, but they didn't have Kevin's size. I was so upset because uh, I, I really wanted to get that one for him. So,
2: well, I appreciate you thinking of me, but I, I do want to say, cause I know we're not getting to this on the show today, but you mentioned the boys. If anybody is watching season two, episodes mm-hmm. three and four,
1: are,
3: See, are I, I haven't watched four, but I think, like, like oh, it was good, but I just think as a three. whole. You loved like three. Like, like, three was fun, but, like, Jake. overall, I, 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 I'm not into the, I I feel like my concern is that the novelty of that show has worn off for me. Oh, dude, Like, beyond, three. like, the bit. Beyond the bit, mm-hmm. which is, like, what if superheroes were assholes? I feel like there's not, I, I, I'm worried that there's not as much there as dude. season one led me to believe.
0: Hmm. Watch
2: episode four. Stormfront man. Stormfront's my jam.
0: All right. Well, we are the podcast that answers what if uh movie critics were assholes. Essentially. <laughs> that's our bit. Um, housekeeping. We're on YouTube, uh and there's that's going to be really important this week. Uh, We've got 84 different YouTube channels. We do. <laughs> we have a lot of we have a lot of YouTube channels. Two specifically is what Gabe would like to say. Two
4: channels. That's not a lot.
0: Uh, so we would like for you guys to head over there and subscribe to them because on one of them we play the entire show uh, in video format. And that's why Jake wears his fancy T-shirts. That's why Kevin gets dressed up from the waist up uh, in a jacket and tie. And that's why I'm wearing my Fantastic Four T-shirt for you guys to appreciate. Uh, The other channel is clips where we pull out uh, segments from the show interviews that we're doing sometimes we have spoilery type things that we get from people uh, in our interviews and we can run them on the clips channel so please go over to youtube search for real blend and give a subscription and a like to each of those channels and of course i want to remind you guys that starting tonight okay so wait i say tonight because we're recording this on tuesday but it's going to be going all week long we're going to be partnering with warner brothers home entertainment and they're going to be playing documentaries on their youtube channel uh, for a lot of the filmmakers that we've been praising on this show, Martin Scorsese, uh, Clint Eastwood, Stanley Kubrick. The Kubrick one is about The Shining specifically. The Boy. Scorsese one's about Goodfellas. Um, we recorded introductions for each of these documentaries. And then the Riblion guys are going to be live tweeting during the screenings of these documentaries. You're going to be using the hashtag WB Filmmakers. So we would love for the blenders who are listening to this to please head over there. Uh, they start at eight o'clock Eastern. Uh, every night for the rest of this week and then Monday and Tuesday of next week they're gonna have Spike Lee is doing one for I believe it's Malcolm X we have Frank Darabont talking about the Green Mile Uh, so just some really great documentaries and hopefully some really good conversation between us and the blenders so please join us on social media using the hashtag WB Filmmakers
3: does Warner Brothers not own the rights to Shawshank? I know it's a Castle Rock film but I don't know where Castle Rock falls that's a
0: great question because Darabont has The Mist and Shawshank right And then they don't get me wrong. I love
3: Green Mile, but I just think it's interesting that that's the film that they chose to do the documentary about.
0: It has to be something to do with the fact that they don't have rights to uh, the Green Mile, uh, to uh, Shawshank, because that would be the one that I would choose. And the Mist, I don't know what studio the Mist is, but God, the Mist is incredible. I love Mm -hmm. the Mist. That's like an
2: underrated horror gem. One of the greatest endings I've ever seen in a film. you you guys ever watch it in black and white? No. No.
0: Didn't know that it was an option. There was, there's a black, well, Frank Darabont
2: apparently wanted to shoot the movie in black and white. This is from what I remember hearing. I got, I don't know if this is a hundred percent the truth, but I just remember hearing he wanted to shoot it in black and white and they wanted him to release it in color. So they put the black and white version on the Blu-ray and the DVD. And then the same thing happened with, um, Mad Max. Now, I, I got to George... be honest,
3: the, the, the whole watching a movie in black and white when it wasn't filmed in black and white does not yeah. it does nothing for but me. But Darabont Cause cause you... wanted it in black and white from what sure, I understand. Sure, but, but, but you shoot a movie differently in black and white than you do in 100%. color. Oh, so yeah. just straight up putting a black and white filter on your movie, it doesn't really like the whole like, oh, I'm going to go back to see Mad Max, but this time it's in black, like... I wonder what's the choice
0: really... behind it like what's the creative choice
2: I don't know that Miller was ever initiate initially re, uh, releasing that movie in black and white but I mean his was like the black and chrome so it was like more oh, like you know right, that right, was the, right. that was the idea but you no know, Jake's right though when you shoot black and white your lighting is completely different um it's a very different setup it's a different I mean I think one of the greatest black and white films I've seen in our modern uh filmmaking was good night good luck which I thought was, uh, which was out. Uh, wasn't uh, that was black that and white, right? That, that was outstanding. Because
0: everyone was smoking filmed. in that movie. Yeah, and yeah. Smoke, smoke adds so much to it.
3: Amazing. Uh, you know, another one. Conrad L. Hall wanted to do Road to Perdition in black and white. And All I don't right. know if you remember, there's there are some shots in that movie that would have looked gorgeous in well, black
0: and white. And let's talk about Roma. Obviously, of course, mm-hmm. Alfonso choosing to shoot yeah. in black and white. And later this year. <laughs> I did, realize, I did not realize.
3: I did not realize until those pictures that came Manc. out that Mank is gonna be in black and white.
0: Yes, it is. It's gonna be, but he'll do digital. Fincher will do digital, I'm sure. Oh, oh, that's okay. Here's the thing, <laughs> Kevin's heart just <laughs> broke a little. Just a little bit. You're, like I, whenever you say that, I feel
3: bad for Kevin because I feel like I know well, that like deep down, a single Fincher, tear goes down his cheek. Fincher
2: is one of the few filmmakers who I think utilizes digital well. I mean, the social network makes perfect sense, digital concept, digital storyline, sure. digital movie. Um, I mean, I still appreciate his film film look. I mean, Fight Club, Seven, The Game, you know,
3: those are all oh. shot on film. Ben- Benjamin Button would have been film, right? Benjamin Button, Button's a beautiful look film.
2: like
0: it. Jake, can you look up his cinematographer for Mank while J- we move, uh, on, Jeff- move on to the
2: well, his his DP that he's been using for years is a guy named Jeff Cronenworth, but I don't know for years okay. he he's
3: only done like two movies in the last forty years. Very no, true. All right, let's move on to
2: yeah.
3: What's
0: that? Who?
2: who? I think Jeff Cronenworth shot a bunch of his films. I just don't know who shot Mank. I'm assuming it's him, though.
0: We don't have we'll a see. guest this week, um, so we're going to go off the rails when we get to different conversations because we want to wander, hmm. we want to meander. This is going to be a meandering show for blenders also, who been following us Fincher's, for a long of time. I got to
3: be honest, Fincher's still a little bit on my shit list right now. Why? Like, I know, because he started a series and then didn't have the time to finish it.
0: Oh, Manhunter! Like,
3: I think that is... that is, And it won't hand it off to anybody else, apparently. Yeah. I, like, that's... like, I mean, doesn't that's that bother a, you? Like, if you were two seasons into a show and really loved it, and then the, and the creator was like, eh, I'm good.
0: Not enough for me to be mad at him, no. <laughs> I, honestly, if we get him on this show, I'm going to ask him about it. Okay.
4: Yes. So before we move on to the weekly poll, I'll answer that question. The uh, DP for Mank <gasps> is Eric Messerschmitt, who you do not know... Because up to this point, he's done a lot of um, below the line gaffer work oh. and uh, second. Unit. He, he shot second job. unit on Sicario, Day of the Soldado. Uh, so it looks like this is kind of uh, he he did some st- cinematography for Raised by Wolves, that new uh, oh HBO that's Max a beautiful show. show. Yeah, that's so a, he did I'm, I'm, one. of I'm really of that.
3: into that show right now. That's how he got so it. it. He so had a like he's
4: pretty much. A, oh no, he did some Mindhunter work. So yeah, oh, he's there you go. That, That's yeah, it. That's mostly TV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mindhunter also looks great. Since yeah, we mentioned
2: him. his name, uh, his name is Jeff Cronenworth. He did not shoot Mank as, as you just said, but he shot Gone Girl, Social Network, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, Fight Club, and oh. so on. So it's amazing
3: that he wouldn't just bring him back. That's what mm-hmm. I was
2: a little worried about because I mean he used that same guy for a long time, so
0: he got fisted. I mean,
3: he yeah, fisted. Yeah, I was saying, like, dude, what, what is Fister doing now?
0: Nothing getting wrapped like we are okay. Weekly poll for God's sakes. Uh, we asked you guys what the best football movie of all time is because Jake and I care. The football is back.
3: Uh, and Dude, did your fantasy team win?
0: No, because I didn't look, I have a running back who, um, was questionable and then he's a starter for the Eagles. Yeah. And then I didn't check right before, and then he yeah. was out. Ah. And, not, and not only is he out, but the two best players that I have on my team are Michael Thomas for the Saints oh, and, no. and uh, Kittles for San Francisco. Oh. And they both got hurt no in week no one. No idea You're who done. you guys are
3: talking about. I, done. Done. I, I do need your advice, though, because uh, Cam Newton's on my confirm.
4: bench. I need to
3: know whether or not to play him next week.
4: I can confirm by the number of people that voted on this poll that no one cares about this football. They talk don't that's care. To the show. We got we got. A, well, we got
0: a you know votes. how often
3: you guys talk about shit I don't care about. I it's sit true. here quietly and patiently. It's often it's like 98 percent um, of the time.
0: Jake, then I'm going to ask you to answer this because these these are your choices for the yep. fo- football is back. What's the best football movie poll? Yep. Friday Night Lights. Yep. The movie, not the show. Mm-hmm. Rudy.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Remember the Titans and other.
3: Um. Part of me wants to say because there are so many football movies mm-hmm. that that other actually has a really good shot this week. But I okay. think that the I think I voted on this one, actually, because I have because I have an opinion and I think Friday Night Lights is is the best football movie.
0: Kev, you have a take <sighs> I'm going to say other. Remember the Titans won pretty convincingly. That's, that's such actually,
3: a I mean, and I like Remember the Titans, and, but I mean, I, I feel like that's such a crowd pleaser. Maybe like remember it did really well when it came out, and but it's such a Disneyfied version of. It really is. Like, guys, guys, gather around. Racism is bad.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Was that now the one us, where they laid us set in that the street? Seventies music. What was the one where they laid in the middle of the street while the cars were racing past them. Was that that's Remember not, the Titans? No, that's
3: not Remember the Titans. I don't know what that is. Was
0: that called The Program, maybe?
3: Mm, it was also Titans. one
0: of those generic sort of high school... I almost put... Okay, so here's a movie I almost put on this poll. Just give you a little behind-the-scenes mm-hmm. peek. Uh, I almost put <laughs> Lucas. Would Lucas have swung the vote in any way, shape, or form? Or is that not a football movie? What about Any Given Sunday? No, I'd ask you a question. <laughs> I asked, don't answer my question with a question. For God's sakes.
3: No, I don't think Lucas would have swayed it. <laughs>
0: Kevin, (laughs) all right. Well, there you go. So that's that's football talk. What do you what
3: do you think? I I think I think uh, the reason I pick Friday Night Lights is because I my argument (laughs) has always been that a good sports movie is not about sports; it's about something bigger. And the reason I love Friday Night Lights, both the movie and the TV show, if you've never seen the show, it's one of the top five greatest TV series of all time, is that it's about something big. It's about this small (laughs) town and how it crushes. These young kids and how it holds on—it both crushes them and holds on to their to their talents until they've got nothing left. I mean, we're talking about uh, parents in in the stands who all have state championship rings and talk about the good old days, and now their lives revolve around passing that on to the next generation. And like these are the good old like I I think that is, is such a heartbreaking movie. Oh, um,
0: there was a clip of a lady from I, I want to say she was from Texas and she was complaining about the fact that um, they weren't able to play a high school football because of people weren't be able to gather in the stands. Maybe it wasn't sure. Texas, because I think Texas the last people to do that now. And she said, essentially, um, instead of sitting in the stands on Friday night, uh, cheering on the team like I want to do, uh, I had to be in a bar. Uh, drown in my sorrows. Now, that's no way for a mom to act. <laughs> mm. <laughs> I just, that was so great. All right, wait, I want to run a test. If I ask you to tell me the one line that comes to mind when I mention varsity blues, which got the most mentions in the other, what's the one line that comes to mind? 10. Fucking 10. No, that's not what uh, I was going to say.
3: That's what I, I said. That I was yours? Know. I, don't, yeah. want your I don't want your life. I don't on. want your life.
0: Well, that's what I figured when you were telling me about the people in the stands who were cheering yeah. on their kids. I, yeah, I
3: always think of of, of uh, Billy Bob Tan,
0: fucking Tan. Isn't that great? Wait, okay, wait. Isn't that the same actor who showed up in another teen <laughs> yeah, movie? Yeah, he <laughs> played you know, the same character. Oh, yeah. He played yeah. the spoof version of himself.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Not Another Teen Movie is a masterpiece, and I don't care what anyone says. That movie is brilliant. Like it is brilliant. I hey, remember when we used to do commentaries. Yeah, oh, that would be a fun one. T- <laughs> Jake, I, 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 we're not going to get into this on on the show, but remember our Allie Larder varsity blues experience. Oh, that is Mar- one of my
3: all time great celebrity with, stories. I tell that Zach story at from dinner. Saved by the Bell. <laughs> I tell that story at dinner.
0: That's a premium. That's a premium. <laughs>
3: that story. is a great. Pre- oh, yeah. we should. It's not an. It's not a, It wouldn't have fallen under the umbrella of like bad interview moments. But yeah. we should do an episode about like awkward celebrity encounters because I, I have I have some good ones, too. All have I nothing to do with interviews
2: is a very quick tease. Jake and I were at this. This is going to sound so braggish.
4: <laughs> this is but the Jake best I ever
2: party with Mark Paul Gossler, <laughs> played Zach and Saved by the Bell. And Ali Larder showed up
3: and there was an awkward interaction. <laughs> That's all it's I'm going to say. And I tried to save Kevin from it. I did. I I tried to save wrong. You had to know how badly that was going to work out.
0: (laughs) Okay, let's take a moment now to shift into talking points, and this is a topic that um, we've been having this conversation in the text chain. I almost don't even want to bring it into the show, but um, uh, we kind of have to. More movies are getting delayed, and and I kind of feel like we've been having this conversation about um, that that Tenant seemed to be the type of movie where people. Tested it to see, like, are people ready to come back? It's not doing quite as well as we want it to. And the the studios, well, Warner Brothers in particular, and then some of the other studios around it are panicking and getting out of 2020. And I personally believe, um, and the guys may disagree, but I don't think we're going to see anything else open in 2020. Because the big ones that have just shifted as we were heading up to uh, the recording of this show, Wonder Woman 1984 pushes back to Christmas Day um from october 2nd now warner brothers at the time said that dune is going to stay where it is on the on the 18th of, of december but that makes no sense from a business perspective at all why would warner brothers compete with themselves with two massive blockbusters also so,
2: uh, also wonder woman's an imax film yeah and wonder woman's going to be playing in certain types of theaters that doom would also require yeah, remember like these movies uh, like it, nowadays if uh, again if you look at like, like for example A Quiet Place Part 2, you look at the poster for that film, on the bottom of the poster it says Dolby Theaters. Like like yeah. they they promote early on what theaters it's going to be in. So I don't think it's even possible that but Wonder Woman and Dune could open at the same time. Kevin, let me with, ask with, you, like with everything could.
3: that's going on, does that sort of like Throw Those contracts up in the air because you look at like the the, the IMAX here in Chicago, like just not open. So so it yeah. didn't play there. Like, do you think that like with everything going on that? I mean, like, is there there is there? um I don't, I don't know. Is there like an act of God clause in any of those contracts yeah. where they go like, look, like we, there's nothing we can do about it because there's no guarantee that even if these movies were to open, that IMAX would be available. Well, generally speaking, again,
2: and this is speaking in very broad terms, when a film is released, if you notice all the pushbacks, everything's pushed back to a certain date so that it could stay within a window and still utilize the theaters it needs to utilize, right? Sure. So, like, for example... I, I was go to Skyfall. Skyfall is a great example where IMAX was a partner on that film. Deacon's actually shot a, a outside of his aspect ratio, the normal ratio, so he could get 26% more of the image. That way, when it plays in IMAX, they can say, oh, it's in IMAX, even though it wasn't really shot with IMAX cameras. Um, so in that sense, yes, there are films that actually make contracts with the theaters and, the, and, and, and IMAX and whatever the other uh, companies would be to run in a, within a certain period of time. So to answer your question about IMAX, Jake, Tenet is still running through its IMAX contract. It's still playing in IMAX theaters across the country. Now, if certain IMAXs aren't open, like mine in the area, the Lockheed Martin or the Udvar-Hazy, the Air and Space Museums, I don't think that nullifies, if that's the word, um, like the, the the AMC IMAXs. like Tenet still mm. like they're not going to shove another movie in Tenet's place right now. I would assume Tenet has a certain agreement of time. I don't know for sure,
3: but I think that's what it is. But all guys, and this is this is in my head related. It might sound weird, but like you think when a massive blockbuster comes out, there are all these contractual obligations that they have. And a lot of them are different, like crazy, weird promotional opportunities one way or the other you go to the, uh, a, a grocery store right now and you pick up a bag of Doritos and all of them have wonder woman on it. So oh, have weird. they like yeah. wasted all of that? I mean, like I can't imagine Doritos is going to come back and cause let's be honest, wonder woman's probably not going to come out this year. So let's say yeah. like it's pushed to in theory next summer. Sure. Like, is it is that money just blown? Like did like like does Doritos get to come back and be like, look, we did our part, like we that's put one and one on our back.
0: Yeah, because that stuff has to be done in advance. Oh, hundred like so percent. Yeah, yeah, that's I never thought about that. Cause the other types of contracts that are in play that have to get altered are these day and date, you know, uh sure. how long you could be in a theater versus when you can go to paid VOD. And look at how we've seen that change over yeah. the past couple of months. Um so to, to continue to build on that, Wonder Woman currently right now is on Christmas Day. Dune says it's the 18th, but we all expect that to move.
2: I don't see um, how that's possible. I mean, I could be wrong. I mean, maybe, maybe Dune You don't see how has, it's
3: possible that it's going to move or it's possible that they're both going to come that out? That
2: they could be both be in December. Oh, at they're that not time. going to. They're and the absolutely reason, not going to. Now, here's the thing. there There is a theoretical way this could work. I mean, Dune could have just the Dolby theaters, right? And then maybe Wonder Woman gets the IMAX theaters because it's the same studio. I don't know how that's going to work. I just don't see a a way that both of them are going to open at the same time under whatever no. obligations they have. That's not going to happen.
0: You never see a studio happen. open the two, two of their biggest titles near each other. They would, I, I think one of the things that's holding up Dune is they just don't know what weekend they would push it to in 2021. Cause right now, 2021, the problem with that is that it's just stacked. It's stacked from wall to wall from things that have already been pushed back. And I'll, well, so there's another couple of big titles that are due um, and I, we're not even going to get into this one right now. But I'm looking at Bond. Like,
3: I don't think I don't, think, I don't think we get do? Bond in Nova because yeah. I don't think theaters oh. will be able to last until Bond comes out. I don't think they're, I don't think because think, if, if they have no if tenants not making money yeah. and they have no new movies to bring people in. They're they're hemorrhaging, they while staying again. open right now. I, yeah, I, I I don't think theaters are going to be open by the time November comes around.
2: Bond is a very interesting one because Bond is a international film. Yeah, it's right. more of a Europe. It's more of a a, a European. Uh, they, I mean, if you look at Skyfall and the box office numbers for Bond films, I Spectre, believe they're do degrade yeah. overseas they, exactly. Yeah. But you so run my, into the
3: whole piracy thing all over I again. I know.
2: So my question is, if you're Bond. And other countries are are doing better than we are, United States wise. And Tenet did very well internationally. It just mm-hmm. didn't do well in the United States because of our. I mean, again, for clarification, New York, L.A., and San Francisco yeah. are not open. Right. <laughs> Those are yeah. three of the biggest movie markets in the country, and yeah. we're only twenty-five to forty percent capacity. So I don't think box office numbers for Tenant in the
3: U.S. I, I think, are like truly, within the realm of what's happening in the world, it's they're saying well. Tenant's going to close between $300, 400 million dollars worldwide. I think that's pretty damn impressive. I feel like great. in the middle of yeah. a freaking worldwide pandemic to make between 300 and 400 million dollars worldwide. Right. I don't understand why that's being written off as a failure.
2: And, and that's the thing. And I, I kind of feel bad for Tenet in the sense that I truly believe that Christopher Nolan and Warner Brothers intentions were to help bring back theaters sure. to employ the theater companies and to bring the people back to theaters in a safest way possible. It just didn't, unfortunately didn't work out in the United States as well as they wanted to because you don't have in New York and LA, you're losing millions of dollars by not opening up the theaters in New York and LA. So I think going back to the Bond question though, here's where it gets interesting. Tenant did very well internationally. It is doing very well internationally. If you're Bond and your brand is more international than it is domestic, do you still open? Because is is Bond really a movie you can spoil?
0: Yeah, Uh, his last one. I mean, yeah, wh- I, I, I agree with uh, Kevin you know, in that sense. I think people who want to see it are going to see it regardless. You know, yeah. like I want to see the set pieces. I will still go see his final run as Bond. It doesn't matter I, if you tell me what the but, end of it is. But see,
3: I, OK, but I would make the argument that his Bond movies are the only ones that have a real linear serial storyline. All the all, the all the other Bond movies are just. They're, they're, they're episodic. Like yeah, one, yeah, so so yeah. It, if, it, if this were, uh, you know, a Pierce Brosnan, I'd be like, yeah, sure. Like, it's just another Bond movie, okay. But like, I actually genuinely am very curious as, as, as to how they're going, because I think that there is going to be a sense of finality to Daniel Craig's Bond story. Sure. Yeah. and I, they, I'd rather not have question, that ruined man. for me. Stupid question, because I have admittedly not seen every Bond movie. Have they ever killed Bond? That, okay, I brought this up on the air the other day and I people so. ripped into me. I think they might in this one. No. Okay, here's okay, but here, but okay, but why not? Because like in in the theory, in the same way that like Nolan killed Batman, Mm. like 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 everyone knows Bond's going to come back. But if we are admitting as an audience that Daniel Craig's Bond, this is just this is his one Bond story. Why couldn't they kill him? Why couldn't he make the ultimate sacrifice? And with 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 the the obvious knowledge that he's going to come back in five years, like like why why couldn't we? I I I think they should. By the way, I, I've been doing a lot of
2: uh, watching of older films during the pandemic, and I finally i would never seen it before. I watched The Spy Who Loved Me for the first time over the weekend with the Roger Moore film. Oh, what, I mean, that is one of the most insane action films. I Have Have you guys seen The Spy Who Loved Me?
0: I don't think so. It,
2: I'm telling you right now, it is one of the most insane and relentless action films I've ever seen. All right. This is the only thing I'm going to say about Skyfall, because I think this feeds into the, what we're talking about here, uh, Sean. Yeah. So Sky Skyfall box office I one I point it. Right, here we go one point one billion dollars for Skyfall box office okay it's great three hundred and four was domestic eight hundred and four million was international so if you're a studio and you look at those numbers do you put it out internationally
0: I mean I think you do um, yeah I think you do uh, because but but I also fear partially what what Jake is saying Pirates, which is Jake. that I well yeah. no I don't think theaters are going to be open. Like, I, I would love for them to, to say, oh, uh, Wonder Woman moved and Candyman moved. We're going to go to October and and we're going to we're just going to play through through October, November. Just jump forward. You're done. It's done. You know, I don't even know how much pressure to do for it. Uh, so just move it up and put it yeah. out because I still I'm of the mindset that theaters need to be figuring out how to operate And the only way they can do that is if they have content that's driving people in. Yeah. So that they, gotta, they like can jump Strikes audiences. Back and going to last yeah, No, of course They don't not. have
2: anything now until, technically speaking, the next big movie that's supposed to open would be Black Widow, technically, right? From a, yeah. All right, so,
0: okay, right. great transition. Cavs. Yeah, I got nice you back, man. I got you back. He's a man of television. I got your back. Got you. You. A back. The rumors back. that were coming around right as we came into this, though none of this is confirmed, though we're starting to see reports, and, and maybe it'll happen before you guys even listen to this, is that Black Widow is looking at new dates, Um We don't know when, and I'll talk a little bit about the ramifications about that in a second. But the other shoe to drop with that one is that Pixar's film, Soul, might theoretically get pushed to VOD because, and here's where, when we keep talking about how the rules of the traditional way that things get released are out the window. um, A Pixar film, a new Pixar film going to streaming.
2: Onward basically did the
0: same thing. I know. And what I'm saying is like prior to all of this, that would have just been we would never have considered the possibility of something like that happening. But now with Disney having a streaming service that they can um, push things to now that they've uh, tested the boundaries of having a premium service where people could pay. And we don't know how Mulan did. And I don't know if they're ever going to release. Why don't we know
2: that information?
0: Cause it um, didn't do that well. It's the Netflix <laughs> the, model. They only tell you when they have reason to celebrate. But this
3: is a different story. This is like a, met, a very easy metric to figure out who purchased. Yeah, but, but a metrics that only they, oh, I'm not saying that they can't figure it out. I'm saying they have figured right. it out and don't want us to
0: they know. They don't want to share it.
2: But like Netflix is different because with Netflix, it's all about like who, how much you watch and that can be all taken into different considerations. Sure. This is a simple who purchased it for $30. Exactly. And it sounds like <laughs> not that many people. I mean, it seems interesting to me. I also feel like, and if Disney Plus is listening to us, you should have an option that you can prove you're the only person living at your house. That does that make sense to me? Like, how so? If if you are single, why are you spending thirty dollars on a movie? It makes sense for like. Well, I mean, but you could make
3: that argument. What about like Netflix? Like, like what if it's there's five people watching Netflix at home versus like it's just me in my home? Like we're paying the same amount
2: nine dollars a month or whatever it yeah is. but it's it was still
3: the same idea you're talking about like paying mm. less because you're the only one to watch it okay but i do want to shift to to my big question that i really want your opinion on Ooh. within the next 30 days does Tenet come out on vod no no will not happen if if the if the numbers continue to to be lackluster you're you you do not think warner brothers would put it out there for 30 a pop no i guarantee you that movie has the 90 day uh uh window we don't know if theater's gonna be open for 90 know, days, dude. I, I'm not
2: saying theaters are gonna be open for 90 days. I'm saying that I guarantee you the contract for that film. Mm. Remember, Universal Pictures, we had that whole ordeal happen sure, with trolls. Sure, they sure. didn't they, they they shortened their window to 17 days or whatever it was, yes. whatever the time frame was. I if, if again, I'm not a lawyer. I don't know anything about the legality of how this stuff works. I would imagine if Tenet already came out that it has to has to conform to the 90 days. I'm not sure. And
4: my Just to give my prediction, I think what's going to happen is Tenet will be in theater. Tenet will be the last, I agree with Sean, Tenet will be the last major release that we see this year, and I think Tenet will remain in theaters until they're forced to close again, which it feels like that's going to happen, especially if no new movies are coming. Um, And then it'll go to VOD as soon as they can. Right. Similar to the onward situation. I think as soon as there's no more theaters for it to be in, I think Warner Brothers shifts and they try to they try to make a VOD run.
2: Right. Now that's a good point. So if if the theaters are forced to close. I
3: mean, that's that's why I'm asking this question.
2: Well, the the question you asked was just generally in
3: 30 days. Yeah. But the reason I'm asking that is because I don't think theaters are going to be around in 30 days.
0: Kev, I want to go back to a point that you bring up, which is that because there's a lot of people who I think haven't been able to get to a theater to see Tenant, they're probably really hungry to check it out and they wonder when they're going to get an opportunity to. You say you honestly don't think it's going to go to paid VOD within the next 30 days. Do you think that that's a Nolan thing? Do you think he's holding hard and fast about it going to paid VOD?
2: I honestly I mean I don't really know I mean I would I would, again we all know that Nolan is 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 preserving the theatrical experience so I I would imagine that he does not want his film going to VOD I don't I can't speak for him I'm not sure I just know how much he appreciates the theatrical experience but we're in a very different time so I mean here's the thing we've all discussed this in the show before I think Netflix's model in regards to how they do theatrical and then their release on streaming is more of a reasonable, futuristic way to look at things. If you're going to give a movie a two-week run or a three-week run initially in theaters so that you force the theatrical viewing, then you give them the option for streaming. I mean, listen, I am I want movies to play in theaters as long as they can in a normal state, you know, outside of a pandemic, obviously, but I think that it, you, you can't deny the future we're headed into. You can't deny it. It's not it's not possible to not think of streaming. So in my opinion, you make you, you, you make a compromise. Exactly how Netflix did throw mm-hmm. Roma into a theater a couple weeks before it comes out. Irishman into a theater a couple weeks before it comes out on Netflix. And then you go see it that way. And, and Netflix doesn't Nolan, charge you
0: extra to watch it. Right. It's but just I part th- of your subscription.
2: Right. And I think, you know, in my opinion, to Jake's question, which is very interesting, if theaters remain open in the next 30 days, I can't see it going to paid VOD. If theaters mm-hmm. close within the next 30 days, I can see Warner Brothers forcing that to pay, a paid VOD at that point. Because at this point, the movie has to make its money back. And it's becoming, has to be a business decision at this point. I mean, it has to be. I mean, they gave Nolan his theatrical run, it had its time. And for me, I wanted to keep going in theaters safely. But I th- also think that if theaters do shut down, I, you know, Jake could be right. It could go with PVOD P- in 15 days if, if theaters shut down. I think it there.
3: would do very well on I think PVOD. So too. Oh, it, yeah. would yeah, now, it would crush. Yeah, it would crush.
2: I have one request. If anyone at Warner Bros. is listening to this, if you put the film on paid VOD, please put the aspect ratio shifts in the digital version gonna ask because
0: subtitles. also subtitles please, Subtitle. if you guys, <laughs> please subtitles. If,
2: if you guys remember we had damien chazelle on the show oh, who was trying to watch did. dunkirk and he was trying <laughs> to get he was trying to get nolan's imax aspect ratio shifts but the itunes version of it didn't keep those imax shifts in it so you have to go to the blu-ray like, I, I pop on Dunkirk once a week just to watch those IMAX shifts uh, upstairs. Um, and for me, that's the way Tenet should be seen. So if if that's possible, anybody at Warner Bros. is listening to us, please keep the IMAX aspect ratio shifts you, in your digital release. Please. You know what's crazy is listened? that, like,
3: you say, oh, when we had Damien Chazelle on the show, there was a moment when I was like, when the hell did we have Damien Chazelle on the show? Like, <laughs> but, it's, all, it's all a blur now,
2: man. But to be honest with you, that was, like, the coolest thing ever. When Damien Chazelle said that, because I was like, dude, you're like, you literally watch he's films movie like, we, like we do. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. like like the fact that you're like renting Dunkirk on iTunes and not getting your
3: IMAX shots that you want.
0: <laughs> and complaining and that, about yeah. the aspect ratio. You sound just
2: like us. You know, yeah. that,
3: that's exactly how. You know, like, he modeled Fletcher and Whiplash after Gabe. You, remember, you know that shot of uh, Fletcher and Whiplash when he's like. <laughs> yeah, hey, uh, that was Gabe Rappin. That's, 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 that's he modeled
4: yeah. him. After I that. actually did. Uh, I did two weeks of mocap. <laughs> and it's just him going. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. But to, 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 to tell you how anal I am about that, like Tron Legacy, for example, is on Disney Plus right upstairs. I still walk down here to rent to get my Blu Ray because
0: the Blu Ray has rent the it. IMAX. I like that has, you said to rent yeah. it. You got to rent it rent, for your basement.
2: I rent He charges them, himself. Man. <laughs> I, dude, I honestly might create yeah. a system down here and get like <laughs> rental cards. But
0: please I, hire somebody. Please. I, I want you to hire someone for your basement. I'll
2: hire Quentin Tarantino. he will come under and run video archives in my, okay. in my, in my basement. Okay. What do you like? Okay. okay. Honestly, man, like? that'd be really cool to like rent out films. Having
3: Quentin year, Tarantino but... in your basement? <laughs>
0: <laughs>
3: yeah, well, that'd be cool too.
4: we're super deflating if he comes down and in, in there's piles and he's like, I'm throwing all that yeah, out. He's right. like, he's he's like, like
2: Not another a T movie. What the hell is this? Oh, I think he loves that movie. I have a feeling he likes that movie. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah, so too. You know, you know, Nolan's a big McGruber fan. Yeah, he loves like, MacGruber, the, Yeah, These filmmakers love the random <laughs> stuff that we, we not do. We to
0: ask him about that. Ha- I know. <laughs> what are we doing with our lives? We wasted our time. This episode
4: of Real Blend is brought to you by Marvel Strike Force. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile squad RPG that allows you to battle with your favorite team of superheroes and supervillains in a fight to save the universe against threats like Doctor Doom and Apocalypse. Power up your favorite characters and build a team to complete missions, unlock gear and other resources, and even challenge other players in PvP modes such as Alliance War and Arena. New ways to battle with your roster are released regularly and the meta is constantly evolving. And now you can sign on for Marvel Strike Force's new Deadpool anniversary event in order to receive a generous gift containing character shards, an anniversary diamond orb, gear and other great items. Better yet, each week during the Deadpool anniversary, players can complete events and receive even more special rewards and skins. If you want to get in on all the fun of Marvel Strike Force, be sure to use our promo code MaxPool. That's M A X P O O L and thank you to Marvel Strike Force for supporting the
1: show.
0: Uh, all right, let's get to news that's not related to things that aren't coming uh, and talk about. OK, so Jonathan Majors, who I loved from Defy Bloods and was uh, we did a video on Blend earlier talking about his casting as Kang the Conqueror in the Ant-Man, the third Ant-Man that doesn't have a title yet, Ant-Man 3. And it's a major character to bring into the MCU. He is he is Thanos level potential as a villain and, um, and and could be a huge move going forward into phase four and phase five. But you two are watching Lovecraft Country. Are you both watching yeah. it?
3: Uh, I've watched Wait. the first episode. I haven't had a chance to to progress further just because it's been I think we've all been just so swamped lately with things yeah, yeah, yeah. that we have to I'm watch for not... for junkets. But yeah, I, I thought it was fun. great in that first episode.
0: OK, yeah. he's a significant character. He's going to be. Oh, a... Yeah, he's Is
3: arguably he... the main character. Okay. Yeah, him and him and Journey Smollett Bell are. The, I
2: mean, the first episode is outstanding. Okay, like outstanding. Like, and I think Jake and I were talking about this at one point. Like the horrors in that show are like not even from the monsters. It's from the it's from the elements of racism that the characters are are dealing with. But Jonathan Majors. Uh, he was in the last Black Man in San Francisco, which was yep. great. He was amazing. Five Bloods, I thought, I thought was a big leading performance for him, even though it was supporting. He he was a big part of that film, right? Because Absolutely. He, yeah, he was a huge part of that film, and, and he holds
0: his own with so many great character actors. Mm-hmm. And he's yeah. he's playing Delroy Delroy Lindo's son in that film, mm. and doesn't shy away from from huge scenes with Delroy, who yeah. to me Dude. has given one of the best performances of this year. I and hope people, don't forget people forget about, about him when the scene. Oscar. Oh, yeah, like that scene alone the is The landmine
3: scene was unbelievable. Sorry, Jake, what did you say? No, I was going to say, I hope people don't forget about Del Lindo when uh, Oscar nominations come around.
0: Well, there's no other movies. So this has been like 10 yeah, movies but I this feel year. Like,
3: I mean, Netflix is, I feel like we're starting to, I mean, stuff from Toronto starting to come out. We're starting yeah, yeah, to hear yeah. things. Yeah. The trailer for that new Anthony Hopkins movie, The Father, dropped. And a lot of people start saying that he is a Dude. major contender for best actor. Hmm. Um, I heard you know,
2: uh, Regina King's movie is amazing.
3: Yeah, I Miami. Yeah. That
2: looks, what's the plot on that again? It's like, it's like, it's like, uh, it's like Malcolm
3: X, uh, uh, Martin Luther Ma- King, Muhammad it's Ali, Muhammad Ali, like all, like, all, like, are they just Sam happen to be Cook? hanging out I together. Think Sam Cook is the oh, other character. Oh, you guys talking one. Sorry, I, I tuned
4: out. you have talking about one night in Miami. I'm sorry, yes. you tuned out? Yeah. <laughs> 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 produ- Aren't I have you producer things of things the show? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm pulling, I'm spinning plates, pulling cords. I got open this <laughs> curtain. What is that about? One night Miami, do you know?
3: Thanks for joining us. I don't know if I
4: can give the quick pitch, but yes, it's Muhammad Ali, Malcolm X. Uh, and a couple other historical Sam figures. Sam Cook, I think, is one of them. Sam Cook. I'm looking it um, up. And it's about them. It's, Muhammad Ali has a big fight. I forget who he's fighting. Um, and it's it's the night following that. And it's them, like, celebrating that and they, and they get into this stuff. I don't know too much about it because I'm so sold on it that I've, like... Yeah.
1: Well, you've I've talked about that's how you,
4: it. once once you're sold on yeah, it. I try yeah. to. Stuff that I know, like, I don't need to stuff on So it, while but you like, guys are
0: looking up the plot of it Jonathan Majors k- gets cast in a major uh Marvel film it's weird that they're introducing this potentially major villain in um, Ant-Man 3 because d- does that mean that he could potentially like not
3: die in the film
0: yeah, I think so. I mean, I think that they'd, they'd be setting him up for uh, a huge role, like a significant role down the line. In fact, it was almost floated today in a video that we recorded that he might be just behind the, str- behind the scenes pulling the strings of whoever yeah. the villain ends up being. Interesting. Kind of thing, but also Kang from the books to get super nerdy. Uh, can manipulate time. He's known for, for time travel, and so he is a villain in the far distant future, like the 31st century. Sure. He also goes way, way back into the past in order to conquer uh, the planet. Wait, is this with... Tenet? This is Kang, no, uh, the, the Marvel villain. <laughs> yes, he he Sorry. inverts. And um, it, it's possible that the Avengers traveling through time in Endgame might have op- awakened him or yeah. opened some type of portal that will allow him to come up the only thing that gets frustrating is, like, it's great casting. I think he's going to be amazing. It's cool that they're moving forward with Ant-Man 3. But if we can't get Black Widow, um, everything from the Marvel Universe is going to have to bump back yet right. another. Gonna wait. Like, they have seven or eight movies that are all going to have to do, a like, a centipede move, you know, down the line. Sure. And so we'll see whenever that happens. Do you happens. think Marvel likes
3: characters that can alter time because it gives them potential to undo things they've done or or bring back character like you know like let's I mean I know Downey said that like in theory like he's done with with Iron Man But let's say that like in eight or nine years and and Kang's like a major like Thanos like player the MCU do you think that they like sort of having people that can mess with time because it leaves open a door to potentially convince actors that that left to come back
0: yeah for sure um but the other thing that they're gonna introduce in Doctor Strange is the multiverse And you could have multiverse versions of other characters. And that's where you would get like an Iron Man suit with a different character or a Captain America who is. Well, and with with DC
3: doing it with um, the Flash Flash. and all the different Batman, uh, it feels feels weird saying Batman, but all the different (laughs) Batman, uh, then I, I think right now Marvel is either they were already planning on doing it and thinking shit like, but and if yeah. they weren't now, they absolutely are thinking about well, doing it. And then I brought you, it up with Tom Holland at the Spider-Man junket. And he was like, of course, absolutely. He wants to do a Spider-Man movie with Tobey Maguire oh, and, and Andrew Garfield.
0: That would make so much money. Oh, they it would, it would make all the monies for one movie. If they yeah. got those three together for one movie, it would be you'd give Andrew Garfield the chance to finish the franchise. Yeah. Would Toby, would Toby come back to do? What is, he doing? <laughs> what is he doing now count his money count all his, his poker
3: money great great gatsby three
0: <laughs> he's see wait what happened to great
3: gatsby two why was he not in two <laughs> they, they just skipped uh two <laughs> bad, 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 bad did bad you bad guys know three. do you know the whole deal with uh toby mcguire and molly's game yeah yeah, yeah. he's the actor he's, he's who... the, yeah he's the guy that that they portray as being just a total jerk which one is affleck
0: and a, uh, a card shark junkie. Like he and Leo would do yeah. these private. But, but, poker but games. yeah, but allegedly, specifically, who, allegedly. Who, who,
3: Michael Sarah plays him in Molly's game, but Michael Sarah is basically playing Toby Maguire. Who is
0: Affleck? Was Affleck one of those guys I thought, too? I thought, I thought He, he might have
3: been one of but the guy that they're specifically I, addressing I as like DiCaprio, this celebrity sorry. was an asshole Toby Maguire. is Toby Maguire. Yeah. I was I was thinking of DiCaprio.
0: because he, he, yeah, he and yeah uh, he and DiCaprio were were big buddies back in the day. Yeah. Doesn't take away the brilliance of the uh oceans. Oh, uh, I love that scene, Oceans 11 All scene. reds <laughs> where he's teaching those but guys, but that's not poker. uh,
3: that's not uh, Tobey Maguire.
0: No, no, no. That's no. Toy for Grace. Big. That's Toy for oh. Grace. Well, all but he's reds. In, he's in Spider Man 3, though. He's, ven- yeah, he's Venom. Yeah, Spider Man, the both Spider They're guy. all Spider Guys. Yeah. Yikes. Thanks for backing me up there, Gabe. Uh, all right. So while we were getting ready to record News Broke, that's so surreal that we're not quite sure how to process it. Uh, there's going to be a Madonna biopic. Oh. Biopic? I still don't know how to pronounce that. Biopic. And she is going to uh, write it, she's going to write her own biopic. She's gonna direct it, and I swear to you, this has not been confirmed, but I'm telling you, this is coming. She's gonna star in it. No, she's she no absolutely there's gonna no play way. herself.
2: I told you guys, uh, it needs to be someone
0: that looks like Madonna. It doesn't it's gonna
2: matter. be Irishman, <laughs> D age. They're gonna or D-age.
0: not even. It'll be like that uh, Bob Dylan one, where like everybody mm. played different versions of her, but it'll just be her. <laughs> but it's just her playing different versions of her. Yes, her <laughs> playing different versions of her. Like, but like it'll be like young Madonna at school. Yeah. It'll be all little kids, but like her now like playing okay
3: here's <laughs> a question what madonna song title do they use as the title of the movie material girl like a virgin like a virgin i think that's a great because you know it's going to be in a madonna song title yeah
0: it's gonna have to be a title but i, feel I like like, like, like it's a, a virgin a, you think i think five minutes to title. save the world is does that shit have a song named that isn't there a song? It's gotta be is Material it? Girl. I guess I think it's, it's gotta be Material. I, think it's girl. Gonna be, I don't think
3: it's not gonna be like a Virgin. I think it's going to be Material Girl.
2: The only reason I said like a Virgin is because that's the first song that pops in my mind because of, the of Reservoir, Reservoir Dogs. Dogs. Right. right? It's not gonna yeah. be that. I know, but Material
4: I, Material Girl sounds like a really bad like yeah. late two thousands. I'm sorry what do you think comedy? this movie is gonna be? <laughs> I have. It's not gonna be
3: Citizen Kane, man. Because it is a Cody, but like wrote it. I think
4: she's co-writing. She's
3: co-writing it with Madonna. So basically, I feel like Madonna's gonna write it and Diablo Cody's going to punch well, it up. Going to fix it?
4: No, yeah. I don't. I think it's the other way around. I think... You think, I think Madonna's, Madonna's going to punch it up? No, I think no, Diablo I think, will no, write it no, and no, then no. she'll give... I think Madonna is supplying the scenes that she wants to depict and Diablo Cody is making them fun for a movie. Yeah,
0: <laughs> but either way, I, th- I find That's this one, all to be very, very it, fascinating. I love that we're yeah. getting to the stage of the game where um, our 80s icons are starting to get their, their biopic treatment. And because yeah. um, Prince should be next... Springsteen probably should be next. Like, there's some huge artists who from could the play 80s.
3: Prince.
2: Well, look, Chris let's look at let's look uh, at Madonna's Madonna's
3: top song title. Dave Chappelle, "Into,
2: into the Groove." <laughs> That's the <laughs> it's best. It's got to be "Material <laughs> I was Girl." Say Kevin, <laughs> Arnold, i say Kevin Hart. I
3: will put money down that it's. I will. I will take odds on "Material Girl."
2: Oh,
0: "Into it, the Groove" is not bad. Into
2: the Groove. How about "Take a Bow"? "Material okay. Girl," "Deeper and Deeper" is not gonna work. Don't tell me it's not gonna work. Uh, "Holiday" is not gonna work borderline beautiful strange beautiful stranger that's a good oh that's a good
0: one that's That's a really good title
2: or express yourself that's a
4: great title i can honestly tell
0: you we're putting more thought into this
3: (laughs) than she ever will it's just gonna be called madonna
4: (laughs) but if they do if they do the irishman model could they call it a star as dh (laughs)
3: yikes
4: (laughs) they could if they want to Yikes!
2: honestly i feel like madonna is like edgy enough where she would go with like a virgin for a title i know it's i know it's not like i think it's a good
3: title
0: you named so many other better ones though express yourself is really good Express yourself a vogue
4: those all sound so
0: vanilla though do you think that like her concerts Madonna's the release is going to be delayed biopic how about like a prayer Mm. a vanilla ice biopic hey
3: they're they're doing a vanilla ice biopic yeah, what's-his-name's playing him. Dave Franco's playing him. But yeah. he's
0: gonna have to be in the Madonna biopic. Like, I'm actually more curious Ooh, a to cinematic see, universe. Like, who's gonna be other characters. Like, there's some really significant sure. people. Who's, who's, gonna, gonna, be oh, who's gonna be too? Guy
2: Ritchie? who's gonna be Guy Ritchie? That's true. The- The entire film that Madonna's making is about the making of swept away, swept away. (laughs) That's the entire movie is about the making of that film.
0: There are significant eras in her career that actually have to be covered. Like it's kind of there's there's a lot of material to work with. And I'm not kidding. There's
3: there's a lot of material material to work with. Oh, Oh,
0: God, the show is over. But I'm sorry. Like, how come it's always (laughs) over when I do these? I'm giving you gold. They are painful when I don't use them. When I don't say them, they there, hurt more. Were there any
2: famous filmmakers who directed her videos? Did Fincher do one of her videos? I thought Jonathan Demi did. Demi, I
0: thought Demme, Jonathan Demi did some of his or early like like that a prayer. Right. I thought was that sounds right. I thought like a prayer was directed by somebody really famous. The moment she's had famous and,
2: filmmakers direct her. I, Fincher didn't do one, did he? I don't
0: think so. I don't think so anyway all right um the last thing we're getting to in talking points is uh the Mandalorian trailer reaction, and I thought that that was a outstanding trailer too short unfortunately, but it feels like it's getting into the the myth and the lore of Star mm-hmm. Wars in a really significant time in ways that and i'm not I'm not doing this to throw that uh, trilogy under the bus in a way that the sequel trilogy didn't manage to do so um almost in a rogue one kind of way it's cool to see that universe expanding with characters that we're that we are committed to at this point now thanks yeah. to a full season and maybe that's the episodic nature of it but mandalorian looks amazing like he the armor looks great um the relationships are already formed with the child jakey is our resident star wars guy uh a plus yeah F- i mean the, you know Where you i at on i I liked
3: the first season, but uh, I'm on record as saying I didn't love it. The big reason being for a season that was only eight episodes, and many of those episodes were only 30 minutes apiece, hmm. there were way too many episodes that in the grand scheme of the story didn't matter.
2: Hmm. Um, if, yeah. When you're
3: only doing eight 30 minute, 30 to 40 minute episodes, every single one of those should matter to the hmm. story. And there were way too many of them that didn't. It seems like now we're kind of getting into the thick of what this story is going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also, I, I kind of, I'm pulling a Gabe and that I kind of don't want to see anything else. Like, mm-hmm. I'm kind of good. I'm, I'm glad that they, they didn't show Boba Fett. Mm-hmm. I'm glad they didn't show Ahsoka. Um, I'm kind of just... Like I, I'm good, I'm teased. I like I'm I'm jacked, and we're what? We're we're a month away from it coming yeah. out. So like I don't need to see anymore. I'm good. Like I'm sold. I, Wait, I I'm I'm is, into it.
0: Is Rosario Dawson actually Ahsoka Tano?
3: Yeah. Is yeah. she really? Yeah. That's
0: amazing. I thought that was like a fan fiction but, rumor. Uh, but
3: to me, the the casting, the fact that they brought back and I'm forgetting the actor's name, but the actor to play Boba Fett. Okay. Makes perfect sense because you know he, Boba Fett,
0: confirmed as a character. Yes. Uh, see, I haven't paid attention to what they're doing with Mandalorian. And That's you know, great.
3: okay. So do you, so do you know the whole? The, so the guy that played Jango Fett, yeah, in in Attack of the Clones, right, right, is playing Boba Fett oh, in I the Mandalorian. Hear that. I did because hear the, that. it's the whole deal that, that that Boba Fett was a like he wanted a, a clone because they were all making clones of him, yeah, and he wanted one as a son. So in theory, yes. that kid would grow up to look like him. That's kind of cool. so it's those, perfect were the, casting. Were the clones being attacked?
0: <laughs> they were. It's called attack of the club.
3: (laughs) You know, I think we do need guests on this show. (laughs) By the way, David Fincher directed the Vogue video.
0: God damn it. Did he? Isn't that cool? keep being wrong.
3: Black and white. Well, then you must hate it a lot. So moving to devil all the time. (laughs) Well, no, Mandalorian. I just want to say the trailer
2: is amazing. Yeah. yeah. That's all I wanted to say. I mean, I mean, you guys, Jake hit everything that, you know, but it's a great trailer, great teaser. I was very excited about it. And again, a show that normalizes and uses practical effects as much as they can. Baby I feel Yoda. like
0: they are spending more money on this season, too. It looks better. It looks, it looks huge. Fantastic. It I, it looks and
3: huge. I do. I laughed hard at the, the Baby Yoda, like, pressing the button. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. Did, I, I laughed hard at that. And you know
0: why I, why I was really happy about that? Because it reminded me, like, it remembered to be funny and entertaining. Like, it yes. didn't have yeah. to be, like, serious doom
2: and gloom. Yeah. The trial's in trouble. I want to give a shout-out to Pedro Pascal, though. That, that, mm. that performance he does in that mask is unbelievable like he yeah. every emotional beat even yeah. though we don't see any it's all in the shrugs or yeah. the way he like turns his head yep. that's so fascinating to me
4: but we found out didn't we find out that he mostly does vo though and it's a different guy who is it really it's, it's not
3: i don't know if, i don't know if what? i read that it's mostly but there's a lot but of times happens. where it's not him yeah. A lot? Like a, a huge, huge a lot, lot of times. I'll take mostly
4: out of it. I don't know for sure if it's mostly, but I know I remember that being a story yeah, that he it, wasn't. It's like, it's, 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 there was one episode where, I forget which which actor they were talking to, where she was like, oh yeah, I never met him. I never met Pedro
3: Pascal. <laughs> yeah. I worked with it's, it's, a, it's Kevin, <laughs> I'll tell you, me. it's him a lot less than you think it is. That yeah. bothers me, actually. Then. Yeah, I know. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. But perf- he's great. His VO is great. His, His VO is
2: great. But the body language is why I think the performance is great.
0: Yeah,
4: they're working together. I mean... Kudos to whoever
2: that. Who was is. Is that person? Let's get that person. I don't know. On the has, show. Uh, I forget. <laughs> but yeah. But yeah.
0: They, they asked Pedro if he'd do it, and he said, "Paid no." <laughs> it's actually Leonardo DiCaprio is in a suit.
2: <laughs> that actually kind of uh, uh,
4: gives oh, me a little negativity disgusting. on the performance. <laughs> What? Sean. Oh, I didn't know, you didn't know that. You
0: didn't hear my bad joke Sean. Oh, the I'm sorry, really mine busted. bothered you, but that, that clears the <laughs> O'Connell. Sorry. No, it wasn't it wasn't up to snuff either. It was, oh, really bad. It that was, was terrible. Bad. We do need guests on this show. <laughs> really bad way. Uh all right, this week in movies. Um you guys saw antebellum. Tell me about it. Yes. It looks really interesting. It looks like a great premise.
3: It's it's a I don't want to give too much away because it kind of like the best part of the movie is like a moment in which everything kind of the puzzle pieces come together together. Okay. But my my biggest knock of this movie is that it is a premise that is horribly wasted. Oh. Um it it it, it so badly wants to be the next get out and okay. that it uses uh, the the genre of horror to, to have a bigger societal conversation about race and specifically and racism. Um, but but it doesn't by the time the movie is over it doesn't like here's the deal is that get out yields so many different conversations that you can have to me antebellum yields the conversation of racism is bad and slavery is bad Mm -hmm. and I felt like I was I gotta be honest I was into the movie for a while like I kind of thought, like okay and then I just felt like it just just dropped the ball Unlike any any movie I've seen in a long time and and I just felt like it was one of the biggest missed opportunities I have seen. We always talk about like remake movies that were bad, like cool yeah. like this would be a great movie yeah. in twenty years. I wish someone would take this idea and retry it again, because it's such a brilliant idea that is so blatantly wasted by a guy who didn't by, by a writer who I think didn't really know what he wanted to say with the movie.
0: Okay. Are you uh, able to at least explain to me why the trailer has shots of them in I, present I'd day? I'd rather
3: not, because I feel like that ruins Kevin. I
2: mean, I... So, that's actually what I was about to say. So, the trailer gives away the whole thing. Really? So, it's it's not okay. a spoiler, yeah. technically, to mention it. Um, I did not know anything about it. So, my experience... Uh, Jake, did you know about the twist? I I mean, I, I knew...
3: So, so what the trailer... I think the trailer's fair to talk about. The trailer I, gives I knew, away. away, yeah, I Yeah, kn- but, way but way it way. doesn't connect the two. So, the, so the yeah, trailer shows... No, it doesn't it doesn't show how. So All the trailer I've shows
0: I've seen some of them like out at a club. Yes. And then I see them on what looks like a plantation. Yeah,
3: the, the, so the, the trailer shows like sort of well, no, I guess the new trailer because there's a new trailer came out that does it, sort of reveal it what gives it is. So, so everything I guess I don't know. Can I do you me to tell you?
2: Nah,
0: well, that's okay. That's okay. You don't have let to me, yeah, I may so, watch it.
2: Let me say this. So my particular perspective on this film was not knowing the trailer. And yeah. I liked the film. So I, I wonder if the trailer.
3: But I didn't the, the trailer that we're talking about, Kevin. I didn't see till after I saw the movie. No, the trailer I'm referring to is the first one they released.
2: OK, it,
0: it, but it, you it liked sh- it.
2: You think it works? I, I like the film okay. I, again, but I had no idea where it was going. So when the film opened, I thought it was one movie. Mm. And then when it shifted to what it was going to be. It was a completely different. I mean, I was shocked because I had absolutely no idea. So I I think this is an interesting case here where if you know going in what the what the twist is, then I don't know that it's going to be as shocking.
3: No, because it wasn't like I like I like the twist. I think the twist is really interesting. I just think that everything surrounding the twist is not good. Oh, so, I, I, so 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 so, and I didn't really know what I. All I knew was that there were element, there were modern day elements of the movie, and I knew that there were elements of slavery on I mean, a plantation. Is it a
0: horror movie? Oh it, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's, um, it's
2: disturbing, very I didn't disturbing. know what genre it was? The producers of Get Out uh, and Us um, produced it, so it, it, okay. it, you know there is. I'll say this um, without giving anything away, because I feel like people should see it without seeing the trailer, if you can. Um, because I, again, Jake brings up interesting points because I do think it does fall apart towards the end, but it is super engaging, uh, up through maybe that third act because the last
3: 15 minutes were laughable, man. I like, I like to the point where like, I was just like, what is this? Like, what did this movie become?
2: I wouldn't say laughable. I just, I just felt like it, 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 the movie kind of goes off the rails. Like it, it just, it almost like, it, it almost forgets its pacing, kind sure. of how, how, how it was well-paced throughout. And it's shot incredibly well. There's oh, it's incredible- beautiful.
3: Oh, tell the story about um, about Gone with the Wind.
2: Well, yeah, well, Jake, Jake, you you say it, because basically what we, Jake and I both did the press junket for it. And we learned that the lenses that were used in the film were the lenses that were used on Gone with the Wind. And Jake, you talked about the idea that this was, to retcon. Yeah. So, yeah. so
3: obviously, especially within the last few months, gone with the wind has been back in the news because people have sort of brought up the fact that like, there are a lot of aspects um, that, that, that just don't particularly age. Well, mm-hmm. you know, it was, it was, that movie is very much a product of its time and it has to be viewed as such. Um, so the directors of the film, the film is two directors. They actually tracked down the actual lenses that were used to shoot gone with the wind to shoot this film and, as and sort of a, a spiritual course correction. That's interesting. Um, which I thought yeah. was really a, a really interesting idea. Mm-hmm.
2: And I thought I thought Janelle Monáe was excellent in it. Um, their uh, the performance that Jack Houston gives is terrifying.
3: Like like he's great in the film. That's so th- interesting. Yeah, to me, to, he, to to me, he's like the cliche, like plantation, like overlord guy. Yeah. I mean, again, to
2: Jake's point, he fits the description Jake's referring to because he's playing into it, if that makes sense. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. Jake, You know what I mean? Give me
0: a star rating. Star ratings? You guys have star ratings on them? Out of five? You're you're asking uh, two and a half. I'd give it a three and a half. Three and a half. Okay, there you go. Uh, It's coming to streaming. Apple TV, it'll be on. Um, So then on Netflix, Jake, tell us about one of your favorite movies this year, The Devil All the Time.
3: I genuinely loved it, and and I know you and I were about to get into it, but uh, I thought that this was (laughs) such... A fascinating movie it is. It is. Uh, it is a lot of different storylines. It is a, a multiple. T- it covers a vast span of time, and it is very much uh, an embodiment of the 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 gladiator line of what we do in life echoes in eternity. It is this sort of this idea of how one person's actions can have an impact on uh not just their children but then have this spider web impact and uh, almost like like a poison how like one person's actions can really poison uh an entire an entire generation an entire town of people and 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 here's the deal is that everything that Sean's going to say about so many of the reasons that he didn't like it arguably are reasons why I did it mm-hmm. is a very somber movie it is a downer of a movie. It is not a movie that you walk away from uh, in, a, in a chipper, happy sense. Uh, so many of the characters in the film uh, end up in a very unhappy place. There's not a lot of redemption. But I just thought that it was it's such a, it was such a difficult task covering this wide span, not just a massive span of time, but multiple storylines in a, in a massive... So, so it's like spinning 10 plates but walking a mile while you do it. And mm-hmm. I thought that they did it beautifully all of the performances it's an incredible ensemble cast ensemble cast so many of the the performances i thought were top-notch and by the time like like there i I didn't think that there was a false note i didn't think it missed a beat and by the time like every the movie was over all everything even though so much happened everything made sense to me all of the characters actions made sense to me and i was just kind of felt like wow like that Mm -hmm. was like to me it felt like a coen brothers movie it felt like an early coen brothers movie Um, Like something they would have made early in their career. Um, And I I just generally thought it was fantastic. And it's it's all I mean, granted, it's this means less because we're seeing fewer. But like it's I would say it's arguably guaranteed to be on my top 10 list by the end of the year.
2: And I want to give the director credit because he shot 35 millimeter, which doesn't ever really happen on Netflix movies. Netflix generally has their filmmakers shoot digitally. I know Irishman had 35 millimeter aspects to it and also digital cameras. But the director Antonio Campos, is that yes. how you mm-hmm. yeah yep. he, he he fought. I, I actually need to post this. He gave me a great answer about this because I felt like when you're a filmmaker and you're going to Netflix, they want you to shoot digital. Mm. It's just easier. Um and he fought back and said, Can I please shoot thirty five? And they were like, sure. And so like in my opinion, I haven't seen the film, um, but to me the movie makes a great Great, in, uh, I guess, indention into the idea that 35 can be used for Netflix movies because they they want a digital look from according to Antonio. But uh, I, wonder, I think it's great.
0: Is that yeah. because they assume most of the stuff is going to play on televisions like a few Netflix movies? Are that's, a a, that's a great point. Yeah, because
2: remember, film is a grainy. It's grainy, right? It's it, mm-hmm. it, it, it's not as crystal clear as like a 4K. When you shoot a film. On like, you know, these HD cameras and they project onto these 4K televisions, they look phenomenal. Right. Because mm-hmm. like the HD quality and film can look phenomenal as well. But I, I don't know the reasoning why Netflix doesn't do a lot of film for their films. But I know this film particularly that he had to fight to shoot on 35 and he did. It was really cool. Uh, so. All right. So
0: I'm, my take on it is simply that I could never recommend this movie to anybody. Um, and I think that that's that really counts against a film After it's done playing, Uh, because everything that Jake says is exactly correct. The performances are really great. Um, You get to see actors who you don't expect to uh, be in movies like this playing against type. I'm talking about Robert Pattinson, uh, who does challenge himself a lot, but plays a uh, Midwestern backwater uh, preacher. The movie blows holes to the idea of organized religion and how organized religion can have a deep impact uh, on people in a rural community. It, it, it strives for huge talking points and touches on most of them, but, but it is one of those films where every plot point is further and further down the line of depression of just like nothing good comes from anything that's set up in the film every single plot point ends in some horribly depressing dour situation and i'm not saying that i needed a happy ending or a silver lining or uh, like this is the story that they wanted to tell it reminded me of when we were i forget what grade we were in high school at some point when they uh encouraged us to read the writings of Flannery O'Connor. Did you guys read Flannery O'Connor no. when you were growing up at all? Um was, she she writes uh or wrote homespun like midwestern stories that were all just like they they were kind of sick and demented but like for a reason. It was like it was um almost like that gothic American gothic was the genre, type of thing. Where things just went horribly wrong for the characters and that was by design. Mm. And so when I got to the end of the movie, while I appreciated everything that they were going to do, I imagined running into like people at a party and they'd be like, oh, cool. What's a great movie that you've seen recently? And if I ever told them the devil all the time, they'd come back and lynch me like essentially like I'd be. You can't recommend it to anyone. It's two hours and 20 minutes of just a steady march into pure depression. And so, yes, everyone in it is good, but hot damn, that is a depressing film.
1: I,
3: I want to address one aspect of this movie, which I'll, I, I, I don't want to say everyone's talking about, but I saw one person bring up on social media and it caused the a dog? ripple effect. Yes. OK, so I saw someone tweet about this saying, hey, just a heads up, like there's a horrific dog death in the film. Uh, so be careful. And then everyone was like, OK, well, now I'm not going to watch the movie.
0: Which I was like stunned that you were recommending it because you're such a dog person. Okay, yeah, but
3: but but here here and I obviously like I I can't watch a movie, and I'm not saying that that scene didn't have an an impact on me, but and this seems like the most horrible justification. No, you don't see the dog. You like the thing that happens to the dog. You see the aftermath of, and it's horrible. It is horrible to see the aftermath of this thing that happens to a dog. But it's not like it graphically shows no, someone. You're 100% right. And so this this idea, and I didn't want to like weigh in because I didn't really know this person that had tweeted this thing. Mm. But this idea that there is this horrifically graphic dog death in this movie is inaccurate. The aftermath of it, yes. And it's not an easy, it's a, it's a quick glimpse. Yeah. It's not a pretty one. And it's I, I can't necessarily shake it. But there is not this horribly, horribly graphic dog death that you have to endure in the movie. No. And if there
0: was, I was, I, I couldn't do this. I, I, I was like I probably would have for it because yeah. of that tweet. And when it happened, I was like, oh, you well. saw the tweet. You saw what I'm talking about. I did see. I know exactly yeah. what you're talking about. And it kind of scared me because I was thinking like thinking, how bad is this going to be? Sure. And when the scene in question happened again, not to sound like a monster, but yeah. I'm like you. I was yeah. like. Oh, that wasn't really that's, all that. Like, and it, that and that be...
3: moment is tough. But also, if that you're... moment has a very important like it's yeah. not for the sake of brutality. That right. that moment right. is very important
0: to the plot and has ripple effects throughout the entire film. Also, if you want to nitpick that movie for any of the scenes, like that that's like number nine or ten <laughs> of the list of scenes I would go to and be like, hey, you might want to look out for that scene because honestly,
3: I think Kevin is gonna knowing Kevin, mm-hmm. Kevin's gonna have a much harder time with spiders. the spider scene
0: oh dude there's that, a spider that scene, scene in
3: it like i like, like kevin like i like I, spiders like they're like whatever like i don't i don't like love them i don't like necessarily like have a phobia like kevin i think you you might literally have to turn the movie off when you see this oh moment. wait well, you
0: did text you texted the I texted text it, chain, yeah i you, said and, kevin, like, oh, and oh, i kevin. wasn't
3: being funny i yeah. was like legitimately telling kevin like because i know kevin doesn't really like spider kevin you might actually have a very hard time watching this scene yeah. i'm still scarred by arachnophobia so I don't yeah. even
2: know. I, I mean, honestly, okay, this is that movie
3: when, squeezed into one moment.
2: When I put on my sandals in my or, or, or shoes in the garage to go outside and take the dogs out, my first thought is, "What if there's a spider in there?" Remember that scene in Rightnophobia where sure, the old guy puts sure. his foot in the slipper, yeah, yeah and he yeah. gets bit and he oh, dies. Oh, I want to tell Kevin
3: about this scene so much. Just oh, say, it to,
2: you,
4: say, say, can, it. I, can I tell him? Yeah. Oh, Okay. All right. Well, oh, no,
3: do, you, do you want to cut it out because I just want to get Kevin's react?
4: No, no. Is it a spoiler? No, no, not no, really. not no, not at all. No. All. No. Oh, okay. Well, a, yeah.
3: a guy tries to prove something, so he takes a giant jar of spiders and dumps it, and they all <laughs> just fall on him and just start, like, yeah. crawling all over his body. Yeah, it's yeah. not happening. They <laughs> are horribly realistic spiders, <laughs> yeah. too. What, what, what actor does that? <laughs> the dude that was in um, the Harry... We interviewed him for The Junkie. The dude that was in the Harry Potter movies. Oh, oh, I know who you're talking about. I know who you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. Wait, He's so like I, a, he...
0: He's, He's like is, a preacher who's trying to prove a point about like. uh faith I used to be and, afraid of
3: spiders, yeah, and and now yeah. God has given me the strength to not be afraid of spiders. So he,
0: and so he dumps pours. them on himself. Yeah.
3: And they just so, and they like you're right. They're so I think they're CGI, but they're so realistic in how oh they're like crawling God. all over they're, his like, body, hairy ah. and
0: leggy, and just it's it's a lot. Dude, <laughs> <It's> a lot.
2: <laughs> arachnophobia. I, I, I'm I not kidding you. I am 36 years old. Lauren still kills spiders for me in this house. Like I, I, when <laughs> I was growing up, great. when I was growing up, my mom was slept across like the hall. And my dad slept across the hall. Like they were like far enough away where it would be a distraction to wake them up in the middle of the night to come and kill spiders for me. But my mom, every, every time, three in the morning dude, come in my room and kill on. my spiders. Uh, dude, no. I, I, I'm telling you, it's a, it, it is a genuine fear. Those things make me freak out it's bad like if you put a spider anywhere near me i'm done i i, I wouldn't eat a spider you for know a million you're dollars. so
0: much bigger than they are right doesn't like, matter
2: man they're so
0: you can gross. take a you could take a, a shoe and decimate no. it in they're like you have a lot hairy. of power in your hand you're hairy <laughs> they're hairy
3: <Wait laughs> they're probably second. saying the same thing about you
2: we all have different things we're afraid of i guarantee oh, yeah. you each of you yeah. has a, a, a thing that i would be like yeah right come on yeah but i face it
3: every tuesday at two o'clock <laughs>
0: doing this show oh, i was oh, doing sh- the show yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, but I,
3: I
2: genuinely i would love to hear from people who are, are are deathly afraid of spiders like i am that and bees but I, but i have a legit reason for being afraid of bees so allergic and I, No, i was mowing the lawn when i was like 14 and there was a beehive i guess in the ground yeah yeah and that happens all the time yeah and i went over it oh, and oh I, 15 or 16 of them stung me and i remember i'll never Damn. forget it because I, I was wearing a bathing suit and I guess I got stung so many oh, times no. that oh. I didn't know. I know. I, I didn't know where they all went because I got hit so many times. So I go to, the sh- to take a shower later in the day and I pull my bathing suit off and there's a bee in my crotch area. And I have, I have no idea if it's, I don't think it stung me there. I don't remember, <laughs> but all I remember specifically is that there was a bee in my crotch area of the, it was, and it was still moving. His legs were still moving. Cause you know, when a bee stings you, the stinger, like, doesn't the bee die Later, I I didn't know if that was. A, and yeah, I, and it, it was still like the legs were still crawling. And I was like, I was like, one, I'm sorry you had to sit in there for as long as you did. But two, Kevin's the like, only person that would minutes. apologize to a bee. <laughs>
0: There's a B in oh, there when there should yeah. have been the D in there. Yeah.
2: And it, and it, instead of saying I was peeing, I should have been, I was being. You know what I mean? Yeah. Gabe, hey, hey, no. please anyway. cut this out of the show. Uh,
0: come on. am deleting this whole thing. Thank you. <laughs> are you serious? You're deleting all the those no, This is oh, great. This is gold. All right. Speaking all right. of gold, let's move on to the blend game this week. Uh, we are playing a, a really difficult one Hashtag Gary, Gary Goldman. Gary, <laughs> Gary Goldman blend. Um, I'm going to, I'll go first because uh, my choice is is probably unusual and it's really hard because he is in so many amazing films and is is really great in so many amazing films i'm going with uh Sirius Black uh the prisoner of azkaban yeah it's the best and i harry saw harry potter movie i saw yeah. that got suggested and and the thing is um yes it's absolutely the best harry potter movie because it's alfonso because it's one of the best of the books as well too and it's the first time that the franchise Matured and figured out what it could be, and and I think elevated away from just a once every other year like it, it elevated away from what Fantastic Beasts is right now, yeah. which is a forgettable franchise, uh, to something uh, noteworthy and 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 artistic. And it took the next level. But I people also forget people who had read the books how important the character of Sirius Black was, and to get the casting of him correct was really really difficult because spoiler alert for this this however long old story, uh, you think that he's the villain. You think that he's the bad guy the entire time. Uh, And Gary Oldman is perfect for that. Like, you're not supposed to trust him even when he reveals to Harry their connection and the fact that he's essentially working on his side. You almost don't know if you can believe it. And Gary Oldman is so perfect for that. Um, So while I think he's been incredible in so many other films, my favorite film of his is that because... It's my favorite Harry Potter uh, film. I think that he's tremendous casting as Sirius Black. When he does finally sell the fact that I'm on your side, I've been on your side this whole time, I've been watching out for you this entire time, It it's a sympathetic version of Gary Oldman that we don't get to see that often. Like, he gets asked to play hard-edged guys or sinister guys, and he becomes very warm and very uh, paternal, almost, because he's so committed to Harry's mother and father And wants to look out for their son who's been left behind and Oldman sells it because he's fucking amazing and he's Gary Oldman. And um, so I I love that we get to see that aspect of him because I don't think he gets to play it uh, that often. And unfortunately, I think for the rest of the series, he got relegated not to the sidelines, but every time they pulled out a new Harry Potter movie. They had other big characters that they had to introduce. Mm-hmm. And so then he just became like Uncle Sirius, who was kind of around and helping like
3: a cameo like a little in bit. The later films.
0: Yeah, a little bit. And so uh, Askaban really gave him his moment to shine and he was phenomenal in it. And I'm going to use this opportunity to also talk about the scene in Azkaban that Cuaron just absolutely nails, which is Harry conjuring the Patronus for the very first time to protect himself <laughs> from the... Uh, Uh, demons that are coming down to storm him but at that point believing that he that it was his father who was going to show up like he's like only my dad would be strong enough to show up and and chase these things away and he's standing there waiting for the dad to show up waiting for the dad to show up and then finally he's just like fuck it i gotta do this myself and he goes running out and he conjures with patronus and of course you realize through the course of time he was watching himself do it and it's an amazing moment in the book And when I went into that movie, I was like, there's no way possible they're going to be able to pull that off. Like, it has such an emotional heft to it. And Koran, because we didn't really know how great Koran was just yet, uh, he nails it. And it's a tremendous, tremendous, tremendous movie. Did Harry Potter Uh, do Tenet before Tenet did Tenet? He might have. He might have actually done it. Oh, and then he and then he brought Neil in for the next movie. So I think that Robert Pattinson might be playing uh, (laughs) the Goblet of Fire. (laughs) It's It's just a tenet character. Uh, So that's my pick. Uh, Kevin, you're up.
2: Um, for me, I mean, so just to get it out oh, of the yeah, way, yeah, true, yeah, 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 true romance would have been my pick. Uh, clearly, just because of the 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 initial confrontation scene that he has with uh, Christian Slater when he's playing the Mac on his television, the Richard Pryor film and just that whole sequence, that whole fight was just amazing. Also, Oldman's scene earlier in the film with Samuel Jackson is great, too. Um, So that would have been my ultimate choice. Cause I think Drexel is definitely the I think that might be the most i don't know i mean you can go to hannibal too but that might be the most disappearing i've seen gary oldman do in a role i mean i think drexel is so outside of who gary oldman is but just the makeup and the hair and but i mean i know jake we talk about hannibal sometimes he played uh mace uh what's his mason name verger mason verger oh, i mean yeah. that was one of Hannibal's was,
0: earliest victims i mean but he well, wasn't also don't forget all. churchill
2: yeah. churchill was good
0: i want to point out one quick thing too because um right after our show dropped somebody on social media was like oh uh Gary Oldman blend, like shared it right away. And the person underneath it was like, oh, it's Drexel. Like put a Drexel gif. And then another person, like a third person was like, they said, don't pick Drexel. And I was like, wow, you guys are really. Jesus. Yeah. yeah she
1: <laughs> oh says- all right. <laughs> well, we it's okay. That, you can pick Drexel.
0: Yeah, you can if you want to. Yeah, And Drexel, Drexel is
2: my <laughs> ultimate pick. Um, So if that aside, I went with the professional only because I feel like that is one of the greatest performances of all time. I mean, here's the thing. And this kind of goes... To this idea that the character is a sadistic, horrifically horrible person, but Gary Oldman finds a way to make him entertaining for the for an audience in a really sadistic, weird way. Um, What I mean by that is, like, when he says like the everyone line, right? I mean, that is so over the top and ridiculous. But what he's doing in that scene is so ridiculously Mm -hmm. terrible and horrifying. I mean, he murders her entire family. And then she goes up to the door and meets, you yeah. know, and meets. The I never doubted that that guy would say it like that. Yeah. And I think <laughs> I think there was just something about the theatrics of the way that character worked, the way he would like walk into a room um, again, <laughs> horrible, horrible individual. But it's the same reason why we watch films like Pulp Fiction and we and we kind of go along for the ride with uh, Samuel L. Jackson's character or Chandra They're murderers. They're hitmen. They're killing people. But we are entertained by them, by their discussions or the way they act or the way they move. Um, You know, it's the reason why we laugh when Marvin gets shot in the face in the car. It's 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 a tone thing. It's not we're not saying that the characters themselves are good people. We're saying that the the entertainment comes from the way it's portrayed. Professional is a dark film, horrifically dark film, Um, a great story. And I think Natalie Portman's performance is brilliant in it. But Gary Oldman is so menacing and so disturbing it's like it's hard to explain it. Like when you have a character who's a villain that you want to see more on screen because mm-hmm. the because the actor is so good at bringing the villain to life that it creates this strange sense of like when I watched Black Panther, for example, I wanted more Killmonger. He's the yeah. villain in the movie, but the character was so over the top and like very emotional, but also played into some very entertaining ideas in the way he did things I just I find that to be a strange thing uh, okay, as an audience wait, member. I yeah. want to
0: bring this up, too, because I would love to to break down when actors choose to over the top it mm-hmm. versus when they underplay it. And I'm saying yeah. like a Nick Cage doing Caster Troy or uh, Gary Oldman in The Professional.
2: Caster Troy is a perfect example of a villain that we look that we are entertained by. That's and a great both example.
0: actors get the chance to ham it up when they are him. But I don't think, and having just rewatched Black Panther, I don't think Michael B. Jordan ever over the tops it. You know, he well, he kind of underplays it a lot of times.
2: There were like, there's some moments where he plays into the theatrics of it, uh, kind of in the beginning, specifically when they're stealing the vibranium and he like yeah, runs yeah. in the car and kisses his girlfriend, like uh, like overly kisses her. Like there were aspects of his performance, or like when he walks in and says, "What's up, Auntie?" Like like there were like a- elements of the way he did things in the film that were yeah. a bit more. In my is opinion, is this your more- king?
0: That's that's the best.
2: Those are a little more theatrical. Those are a little more like you have a villain taking a front stage and kind of doing something more theatrical with the performance. Um, Now, again, Black Panther and Killmonger is not even in the same boat as like Gary Oldman's character in uh, in professional because there's two different storylines going on I'm, i was just kind of coming at it from the angle of there are ways that villains become entertaining in films um and it, i find it interesting like like silence of the lambs i mean i don't even know if you would consider anthony hopkins the villain in that film but you still find him entertaining yeah. we enjoy his presence on screen even though he eats people and i find that to be a very interesting thing as an audience member. That we can engage with horrible people on an entertaining level. Caster Troy is probably Mm -hmm. one of the greatest examples you could possibly bring up. Drexel, another great example. Horrible person, Mm -hmm. but entertaining to watch. So his character in The Professional, it's funny, I almost thought with The Fifth Element as well. Uh, Just over-the-top, eccentric characters um, that are villain-esque, I guess, if you want to put it in that regard. So Professional to me is just that perfect through line of a story that I love but I also love when he shows up in the movie, even though he's a bad person. And to me, I think Oldman just plays it on a theatrical level that makes it more entertaining. And, but the tone of the film still stays within its limits. And I think that's kind of a cool thing that he does as a performance. So that's my pick.
0: Great choice. Jakey.
2: Uh I chose this. I, think I saw you look at me just now when beautiful. I mentioned something. Oh, oh God! Yeah. look at that. I, I, right, I so. went with
0: Mason Verger from Hannibal okay. on YouTube, folks. Jake way, is showing I, us I, a photo of uh Mason. I Berger. love how
2: Jake played that off because I said, "Who's the character he played in Hannibal?" Jake was like, "Was it Mason Verger?"
1: You already knew that. <laughs> is it Mason Verger? <laughs> it Mason Verger? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean this this is um
3: you know this this is an example of of a guy uh you know who's who's already the the ball's already been brought to the to the. Uh, to the To the red zone, but he takes it and brings it in for the touchdown. Mm. I mean, like the the makeup, obviously more football references, Jake. That's what the show needed. Exactly (laughs) Uh, the 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 uh, the makeup obviously is a massive impact uh, has a massive impact when it comes to making uh, Gary Oldman disappear. If you don't know what I'm talking about, Mason Verger is in the movie Hannibal, which is the Signs of the Lamb sequel directed by Ridley Scott, and he plays uh, a man who, uh, at the instruction of Hannibal Lecter. While they're having what's, if I remember right, like like a, a, a very kind of like a sexual moment. Mm-hmm. Um in the moment like he they shatter a mirror and Hannibal Lecter basically tells him to cut off his own face and feed his oh, the dogs. God. And so you're so the whole movie, he is in basically like in, in, in like in, in a hospital bed talking. He's a he's like a multimillionaire and he's talking to Julianne Moore, who now plays Clary Starling. Um but it's not just the makeup. It would be. It would be easy. Like any actor could have that makeup put on them, and then just like give a pretty cool yeah, performance, yeah. and it would make them it's look like good. Like Scarlett Johansson in I... Monster.
2: Like she exactly. owns the performance under he, the makeup. He yeah.
3: takes that. I mean, I, I I love showing that picture to people and saying, mm-hmm. "Do you know who that is?" And then, yeah, yeah. and then people are like, "No," and I'm like, "That's Gary Oldman." They're like, "No." Like I love revealing to people that that's Gary Oldman. And in fact, yeah. whenever I got to interview Gary Oldman for Darkest Hour. And of course, the makeup brought up a great opportunity to talk about that. You know, I got to talk to him about Mason, Mason Verger, which is fan, which I loved. But that that just even even if he weren't buried under that makeup, it's mm-hmm. still like a, a weirdly haunting Performance in the same way with like what Ted Levine did with Buffalo Bill mm-hmm. in Signs of the Lambs. The, the fact that like Hannibal Lecter can be in a movie and not be the creepiest person in the movie yeah. is astounding. Yeah, yeah. and it happened I think with Buffalo Bill, and I think it You're happens right with Mason Verger in Hannibal. Bill. Yeah, the mm-hmm. Buffalo
2: Bill, no question yeah. is like the Ted most Levine disturbing. is
3: great. Yeah, um, yeah. and uh, so so Mason Verger, he's an incredible villain, um, but just it, it's a perfect example of Gary Oldman basically being handed. Like a gift and saying like, hey, like here's here's 98 percent of your performance right here with the makeup and him going, no, like I'm gonna take it further. Like like that makeup's not good enough for me. And he takes it and turns it up to 11. And and it just it makes it like the makeup makes him better, but he makes the makeup better. And it's the perfect marriage of of an actor not not using not 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 just using the, the makeup to like carry him in. He takes it and really, really runs with it.
2: I, I I do want to say this, and that's a, I think that's a great example of him. I think Jake makes a great point about that because the makeup could have been a crutch, right? It could have been mm-hmm. it could have been something he just hid behind. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm I'm only going to mention this because it is probably the worst movie I've ever seen, and I've mentioned it on the show before. Yeah, but Gary Oldman is in, in a movie called Tiptoes, and it is I've so, never seen it. It is horrifically <laughs> offensive, and probably next to Battlefield Earth. The worst movie I've ever what seen. What is the story?
3: Because it's got good people in it. How did? The, what is the story behind Dude, this movie?
2: I, I feel like we so, need to watch it. Here's the thing. Oh, so no. y- years ago, so Gary Oldman was my favorite actor for a long time. I think he might still be next to DiCaprio, just from like a performance standpoint. Um, but there was a time period where I was going through all this work. I did this in high school with Benicia del Toro. I was going mm. through all, the... do you remember you know it's a random film of Del Toro that I watched because I was doing the same thing was Swimming with Sharks, which I had never seen before with Kevin Spacey, and oh gosh, she's um, in that? Yeah, I wow. believe so, if I remember correctly. But um so going back to Gary Oldman, I was going through his list, and I'm like, okay, yeah, I, I want to see Dracula, you know, I want to make sure I see you know all these films that he's been in Sid and Nancy. And then I see tiptoes. And then my friends in college were like, my two buddies in college, were like, we, we should get that movie and rent it because it looks really bad. I, this must have been seven or eight years ago. I don't remember the story. All I remember is sitting there and be, I, I own it. I actually own the film. It's in my collection over here. I want to say I bought it. it. Well, I really want to say it. Let, let me pull
0: it out. No, 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 no. I mean, I want to watch the movie is what I uh,
2: I know, but let me at least pull out tiptoes at least. Hold on. Here it is. Look at this. <laughs>
0: who is wow. it kate beckinsale matthew mcconaughey
2: okay so kate gary oldman kate beckinsale patricia arquette matthew mcconaughey it is hands down and i will say this right now it is one of the worst movies i've ever seen and it's incredibly offensive but if you want to see something really bad it's not so bad it's good it's just yeah, yeah. it's bad like right. really bad but okay. it's horrible horrible
0: gary Oldman. Horrible. All gary All right. oldman. <laughs> well no one Tips. picked uh Tiptoes for the audience <laughs> picks. We can
2: end our show with tiptoes if you guys want. Tiptoes! Tiptoes! <laughs> uh,
0: but Evan Rook said Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. Uh, Denise Red went with Mason Verger in Hannibal. <laughs> Titanic 2. Titanic 2! <laughs> <laughs> Lee Patton said uh, Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. Kim Mason, to be Jr.? honest,
3: I've never been able to make it all the way through that movie. It's I've really... tried multiple times.
2: Jake and I fell asleep twice. Jake, Jake I, Both times I tried watching it, I fell asleep. <laughs> Me too. Jake and I interviewed Martin Scorsese for Hugo. And then we and we had spent all day doing interviews for young adult and Hugo. And Jake and I were on like this crazy high from interviewing Martin Scorsese after being there all day. And then we went and saw Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy before the junket and we both fell asleep. And I I didn't even get to the tinker.
0: It's very slow moving. It's very slow moving.
2: I didn't review the film because I I never watched it. I actually felt unethical about reviewing it. So I literally I tried to watch it again based on a screener so I could <laughs> review it and I
3: couldn't make it through it. Do you remember <laughs> <I> was like, <laughs> there was uh, when we did that junket there was an actor who was running like 30 minutes late and was two floors up and they're like hey do you want to wait around and get this actor and I was like no I don't even know who this guy is and like, I gotta go to the airport and like I probably could have waited 30 minutes but I didn't I was like no I gotta go I don't even know like I'm not gonna use him for my piece I got Gary Oldman I got Colin Firth I'm good. It was wait, Benedict, 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 congrats, Benedict Cumberbatch. <laughs>
0: wait uh, was and, it? Yeah. yeah. I don't think I was even offered that. <laughs> yeah, what, who, who was really he committed? at that point? No one. Really. No one. No one. No yeah. one. He wasn't. Uh, he wasn't Sherlock yet. I don't think so. All right. Kim Mason Jr. says Sid Vicious uh, in Sid oh, and Nancy. Yeah. Danny Gurch. Okay, so this is the other one I almost went with. Danny Gurch said JFK. He's amazing in JFK. Yeah. Oh God, he's so good. And then uh, Harry Lichtman and many many others went with Commissioner Gordon in the Dark Knight trilogy. Jim Gordon. Yeah. A little surprised we didn't go that way. Oh no! Okay, all right. Next week, uh Gabe says we're playing hashtag Tom Hardy blend. Tom Hardy blend—that's <laughs> yeah, a good just, one. Can we just do mask edition? Yes, we got to do as masks
2: those. only. No, 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 no. I'm saying we only choose from his masked films. So, so that's no,
0: all. So that's no, all his no, movies. Mine, no, because I can't. I have to pick one, that and it's not a mask one. Okay. Uh, I have a very, I have a very favorite one, and I can't wait to talk about. It. Oh, in fact, I want to rewatch it this week because I can't wait to see it. So. If you want to participate in Tom Hardy blend. Please. No, do it. Do
3: it. Nolan style. Go to, Go to social media
0: and use hashtag Tom Hardy blend. Or you I can you, email us at real blend at blend. Oh, my Nolan's gosh. Listening to the podcast. I wish the you guys just were, he might, there was a guy in our uh, uh, hospitality suite today who was just ripping on Dunkirk. And How did Tenet. it come up? Oh, tenant. Okay. Just, just, oh, yeah, tenant. And then, but it was like an LA person who hadn't been able to see tenant was mad. Kind of The theory we were talking about. That's the, what the, that's the, the argument the, I made last week.
2: I, I never j- wanted Gabe to wrap somebody up more in my oh life. My is it someone we it know? So bad.
0: Um, no, I don't think so. Yeah, uh, yeah,
2: yeah, we know we know this person. Yeah, let's, let's I was trying to vague. save you there,
0: Kevin. Say, yeah. yeah, we'll keep it very, very Text okay. me, text me who it but is. But anyway, uh, someone sent us a review at Real Blend at CinemaBlend.com. and it's this comes from VHerd99 who says, I seriously love this podcast. Hey guys, I've been listening to you guys for probably six months and this podcast has made work so much easier. Listening to you geek out about movies is so much fun. You guys even got me and my dad into Tarantino movies. And oh. honestly, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood might be my favorite because of Kevin's obsession with it. Hey. But, but to end it all, love you guys. Thanks for the laughs and take care. That is from V Heard ninety nine. So love thank you very much for uh I, that,
2: I put him on, on Hollywood here. again the other night, just for like the twentieth time. Oh I, it, I just watched the whole. It, it's, like, it it's like a
3: refreshing summer drink. Like yes. it's, just, it's so
2: yeah. nice. It's I agree movie. with you. There's nothing better than putting on that film it and just going. Feels oh, good. I'll watch five minutes. Did, if and he I didn't, didn't
0: yeah. have Pulp Fiction on his resume, it would be his best film. But I just don't know if he'll ever top Pulp Fiction, unfortunately. Uh. So um, we've seen some incredible support from everybody who had been backing the show. A lot of people have found us while you're in quarantine and have ca- caught up with old episodes. We thank you very much. Welcome. Make sure you follow us on social media at Real Blend. Uh, go over to the Facebook community page. We have a Facebook community page. There is a Reddit sub-community that people can follow if they want to chime in and talk about all things related to the show. And you can follow the hosts uh, at Jake's Takes, at Kevin McCarthy TV, at Sean underscore O'Connell. Drop his review on iTunes. We will read them next week. We'll be back next week with an all-new show. We're going to record our bonus episode next with a really fun topic. And Gabe has something important he would like to say. Gabe.
4: I was going to plug just that. Subscribe to the premium feed. Oh, nice. Because we're doing, we are deciding who's the best director of all time. My choice is going
2: to surprise Definitive. you guys. Definitive. It's the director of tiptoes. It It is. (laughs) is.
0: Uh, So until next (laughs) week, uh, the game. Tiptoes.